Welcome to On the Other Side, where we talk crypto, culture, and society, and how crypto might shape society and change how real humans live their actual lives. Every week, we have on cool people from the crypto world to talk about what they're building and what the implications of that might be for real human beings. Before we hop into the show, I want to give a quick thank you to the sponsors that make this episode possible. On this show, we talk all about the human side of Web3 and the philosophy of Web3, but when you're ready to get your hands dirty, Rabbit Hole is the place to go. Rabbit Hole curates all of the wildness of Web3 into one simple place where users can go to be directed towards positive sum protocols and build their skill set as they do it. In this episode, we talk about DAOs, and Rabbit Hole has an intro to DAOs skill that guides you through all of the basic tools you need to know in order to be a DAO contributor. You can check it out at rabbithole.gg. Thank you, Rabbit Hole, for sponsoring On the Other Side. All right, let's hop into the show. I am here with Nicole from Seed Club. I'm so excited to chat today. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm likewise very excited to chat and uh, to get to connect with you. It's been too long. Yes, we were just talking. The last time that we saw each other was NFT NYC, which felt like actual ages ago. And it wasn't even a full year because they changed the dates this year. So yeah, different world, different time. Oh my God, yes. Well, before we hop into chatting about all the different things that you're thinking about, do you want to give a little bit of background on you and how you fell down the crypto rabbit hole? Of course, I'd be happy to. So um, I first became familiar with blockchain back in 2015 when I was helping to organize some events and initiatives at Berkeley College of Music. At the time, there was something called Rethink Music. And that evolved into Open Music Initiative. And we were really focused on treating music like something that could be solved through supply chain management. And um, some folks in blockchain may remember putting lettuce on the blockchain and tulips. And so we were very much sort of treating music like lettuce and tulips and thinking that if the metadata and payment streams could move across the blockchain and, and be tracked in these distributed ledgers, a lot of the inefficiencies and inaccuracies would be solved. And while I think that that model was probably <laughs> not correct. There was a lot of building and learning and thinking that was going along the edges of, okay, if this interoperability was fixed, what else might be possible? And so what's been very cool is that those same folks that I got to learn with and learn from back in 2016, 17 are the folks that we're continuing to see, especially building um really cool products in the music space now and, and beyond. And so that was my first introduction and, and sort of spark of crypto and continuing to just look at what were the different ways that blockchain slash crypto slash web three could be impactful for specifically musicians and then gradually artists in general. So I was teaching blockchain and music class at Berkeley um, and built a music licensing platform with payments tracked on blockchain. And we were exploring also some exit to community, actually futures for that. And so that was up until December, 2020, when my position at Berkeley was cut around about the same time. I had been elected to the board of Ampled, founded or co-founded by Austin Roby. And Austin had applied for this social token accelerator. And he asked me if I wanted to attend with him. And I 
was job searching and, and sort of figuring out what my next steps were. And so I said, sure, why not? And so I went through Seed Club's second accelerator with Austin. And since then, both he and I have big time fallen down the crypto rabbit hole. And every once in a while, we see each other in person and just sort of laugh at what's happened and how far things have gone. So yeah, that was my path. And currently, I'm a co-creator and steward at Seed Club. And I steward the accelerator and all things project-focused and get to work with a number of amazing individuals. Um and supporting communities to explore the superpowers that tokens can provide. I had no idea that was your background. That's such <laughs> an like interesting journey into where we are now too, especially with like the memeing of music NFTs nowadays mm, and mm-hmm. all of that. Yeah, I mean, anytime that folks have conversations with elders such as myself about career path, it's always interesting <laughs> <laughs> because you could never create something like this so purposefully or methodically from the beginning point. But when you look backward, there's often this very direct trail that makes a ton of sense. And so I think that, you know, all you can hope for is that the next step is in the right direction. And then, you know, as you look backwards, they they all fit together. But yeah, I feel pretty fortunate to have started on that path and then of course to to be where I'm at now. Yeah, I can't even imagine like how many things you learned along the way that probably apply maybe in ways that you wouldn't even expect to a lot of the work that you're doing with Seed Club, especially just because you get to see so many different projects and how they're experimenting in Web3, which I definitely want to dive into. We were talking a little bit before we started recording about just the way that the space is obviously shifting, that means that you know early stage projects are obviously thinking about a lot of different things. And one of the things that you mentioned that I think is, is a really interesting space that Seed Club, I'm sure you get a, a lot of exposure to when you're helping projects through Seed Club, is just like the longevity of some of these projects, how they're thinking about you know what it means to build sustainable models and what does that look like. And so I'm curious from your perspective, what have things been looking like over the last, I guess, mostly few weeks, but you know, of course, more broad? Yeah, it's it's been a very interesting mix of some business as usual, some interesting coincidences that we had a number of projects launch NFTs um, and memberships sort of concurrent with the market crashing. And so obviously that was not ideal and, and not what anybody would have planned or, or wanted. And then, you know, doing some purposeful thinking about how we prepare and make sure that we are in the right places, doing the right things in order to, you know, sustain and survive. And so, you know, some of it is very much business as usual and that our core business is working with amazing projects and founders to launch communities with tokens at the center and all of the pieces that go into that. There's treasury management, there's community management, leadership and, and leadership development, governance, and of course the the token economics as well. So that, you know, continues to be in a lot of ways like the day-to-day major work that we do. And certainly the questions are a little bit different now that the market is changing. And, you know, again, questions around treasury management and fundraising are very, very front of mind. But at the same time, the other pieces 
are are very much the same. You know, we've had a number of amazing projects, and if you look at the timeline, our our last accelerator ended right at the end of March, and so fast forwarding a few months, it's very normal that projects would now be looking at June as a launch date, especially right around and before NFT NYC, it made a lot of sense. Nobody was predicting that the market would be in the space that it's currently in. And so what that means is that projects are not necessarily automatic sellouts where there's this frenzied sense of FOMO. But I think that A, what we're going to see in the bear is a lot of cleaning out and B, being okay with knowing that the folks that are going to hold those NFTs are people that really care about the community that they're supporting and that they're joining and that they're really eager to be with that community, not just for a series of weeks or months, but a series of years. And that's that that piece ultimately is what we're most focused on. Seed Club is here to be around for years and years into the future. And we expect the projects and communities that we're bringing in to be in the same place. And so, yeah, I was, I was talking to Jess earlier today and, and thinking about, for example, you know, Cabin and, and Water and Music, two examples, in some ways different. Water and Music was around before Web3 and Cabin was doing some things that were pre-Web3, but really sort of came into its own within Web3. But both of those are clearly, dare I say businesses, but businesses, projects, communities that are going to be here through the ups and downs of the market. They're not going anywhere. And we have so many others in our in our roster in the same place. Yeah, I think that's like a really interesting distinction here as well is what does it actually mean to be a quote unquote business? And I like that you said, dare I say, because it's like, (laughs) should we have models? Like, is it just token go up? But like really when you think about that type of thing, are there things that are different about Web3 communities from like a traditional startup that should be different. And I'm specifically thinking about bear markets right now because it does kind of feel like communities and startups are not responding like that differently. Like they're trying to tighten spending, Mm -hmm. making sure that they have long runway, all that stuff. Ideally, they become revenue generating at some point. But like are are those good mental models and and what are the differences there, especially like in the market that we're in and, and making those types of decisions and all that? I think fundamentally what ends up being different is the relationship with community. And so while this is definitely, like you said, a a time and a place to be tightening belts and, and, you know, buckling down and all of those sort of bear market models, the other piece that communities need to continue to do through the bear is be extremely tight with their community and work in that community. And I think it's actually not all that dissimilar from, you know, those early, I mean, we're now two plus years out from the beginning of the pandemic. And what we saw was that our government institutions largely did not know what to do and didn't know how to respond quickly, but mutual aid networks that had been in communities from the beginning were able to quickly spin up and adapt at a far more nimble pace. And so I think that you know, if it's a community that already existed pre-bear, then relying on those strong connections and doubling down on those because that's why people came initially and, you know, that's why they're going to stay. And then, you know, if it's a newer community working on building in the bear, I think that similarly, like people are going to be looking 
for those connections and wanting to find engagement and connection with other people that are building something similar. So I think ultimately those are going to be the ones that persist. I think that obviously there's a ton of projects and communities out there that were very enticing for the potential upside and all of the, you know, speculative benefits, but we're seeing that largely that's not something that's really around anymore. And so the ones that I'm continuing to be excited about being a part of are the ones are, are they're the same communities that I would have been a part of when numbers were going up. Yeah, I really like that. And it kind of reminds me like this idea of mutual aid and and really like kind of leaning on each other and supporting one another, I think is really powerful. Something that I've noticed is and people talk all about this like, you know, the stages of grief <laughs> and and how like the bear market kind of brings that about. And I do think sometimes that it feels like there's sort of two different directions that communities go. One is everybody gets angry and like projects that on Mm -hmm. each other. And then the other one is people ground in their communities, in themselves, and they find a way to make it through together. And I was telling you before we started recording, I was talking with Yancey from MetaLabel and one of the things he said about you was like you you really have this way of grounding yourself and, and holding space in a way that feels really powerful. And so I'm curious from your perspective, like how to take the the high road instead of, you know, the sort of other alternative, which feels much less like mutual aid and much more like pointing fingers or, you know, having a short temper with people and and how to like actually sort of flow into a bear in a way that feels grounded even when things are challenging. I mean, first of all, thank you, Yancy. Such a compliment. I had the pleasure of speaking on hustle culture at consensus. And I likened myself a little bit to the dog that sits in the fire that everything, everything's fine meme. And, you know, just because there are a lot of responsibilities that I juggle in my day-to-day life. And so, you know, I think that for better or for worse in sort of today's world, we all adopt a certain level of that of everything's fine because there's we're just sort of inundated by like you know news and and things to be anxious and worried about but yeah i mean i think that one of the things that i guess i have the benefit of is having a raised two small humans that challenge you at all times to do the deep breathing and you know <laughs> come calm and then like lose your shit another time later on. And so it's definitely a practice. And I think that, you know, I I really admire one of our early, early OG collaborators, Louis Giraud with the work in 2PLUS. And there's a number of other amazing folks who are doing work around mental health generally. And so I think that that's another piece is understanding that, I mean, I know it sounds like so woo, but we are not our feelings. (laughs) generally the thing that's happening and when you can actually look at the thing that's happening and understand it and look at it, it's often not as scary or big or terrifying as it seems. And so that's a lot of what I try to bring, but it's so much a practice. And so, you know, I I think that like for the big stuff, and I, I do include this market volatility in that for the big stuff, I think that that's what I'm trying to look at. And yeah, I mean, 
you know, losing my job in, in 2020 was not a challenge that I was trying to have in my life. But knowing that you can get through things has been a, a big sort of like leading force. And it's really about that, like, just, okay, what am I worried about naming it and then moving past? And so, yeah. Thank you, Yancy. I appreciate that. I wouldn't say that I'm good at that necessarily, but if I can bring that to others, I'm very happy and and appreciate that I can do that. Yeah. Yeah. It almost reminds me of also before we started recording, you were talking about leadership in communities and DAOs. And that feels like a trait of a leader, especially in this like macro environment that feels really powerful. Yeah, I think, you know, having worked so pre pre Berkeley, pre pre crypto, the other work that I did, I've, I've, you know, before that, I've worked almost exclusively with young people of all ages, and so I think that that's also just another big piece of that is, you know, being comfortable in chaos and ambiguity. And, you know, while I'm not somebody who has been through market cycles traditionally, I remember like in 2008 when everything crashed. I was working in nonprofit. And so we didn't start laying people off until 2010 because the funding cycles take so long with foundations and government funding that it wasn't really until 2010 that that our funding had been cut. And so while I haven't been through you know, market cycles in that same extremely acute way, I've worked with middle schoolers. <laughs> and so Hold the volatility- kind of up and down. <laughs> Yeah, the the volatility of middle schoolers and, you know, working in under-resourced school districts and with disenfranchised communities, it's a whole other level of volatility. And I think it just puts into perspective also what we're doing here. And so I think that you do get to this sense of being able to understand and put yourself in the place of where somebody else is at and then thinking about, okay, what is our common goal? And that's something that like I very much brought from, from teaching, from, you know, parenting young people and saying like, okay, this is the place that this person is at. This is the place that we're trying to go collectively. How can we all get behind this thing while understanding that these are the things that this person may be feeling, or these are the things that this person might be going through. And so I think with, you know, with leadership, it's similar in that we're all trying to get to this place collectively. We're all bringing our skills and our questions. You know, I think that like the piece that's different is that, you know, you're working to help other people also come into that leadership position. And so that's been this exciting place within DAOs is, you know, bringing somebody in, helping them getting oriented and finding the way that they can become their fully celebrated self within a DAO and then starting to have faith in that autonomy as well. And that's something that I challenge myself to do every single day. And we're doing a lot of work at right now within Seed Club. You are very – you and Jess are very good at that within Seed Club and my very limited experience with it. Like, Thank you. It's been, it was really interesting actually when I was involved with M Club for a short mm. period of time to watch the way that you and Jess sort of help empower people to step into roles. That was actually like a big learning for me that I took a lot of other places. And I think that's like a really interesting quality of leadership that I hadn't even really considered until you just called it out, which is like there's leadership in the sense of, you know, guiding people around these shared goals, being able to be that like grounded person who 
makes everyone else feel grounded just by being, you know, around and and influenced by that person. But there's also like really empowering people to step into spaces that maybe they didn't even see as possible for themselves. Hmm. And the way that you and Jess, at least from what I've seen, do that and and like really sort of help push someone a little bit into those types of roles is really, really interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think that what's great about some of these methods is that they can work even while you see them, even even when you're aware of them. And so, you know, I mentioned I, I how I came into Seed Club and that I was in search of my next my next place. And I'd had the great fortune of a tremendous amount of autonomy at Berkeley and being able to lead this creative entrepreneurship institute and and make a lot of decisions. And so I also really enjoy product management and and some of the other more um, product focused pieces of work I'd done a little bit at Berkeley. And so I was looking, you know, and applying with little success in positions like that. And meanwhile, Jess just sort of dangled this massive project in front of my face and 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 Ben, another steward at Seed Club. And um I just completely dove into it. And I and recently, I don't know, sometime in the last few months, I looked back at some of the notion tables and the systems that I had put together in my free time in working, you know, and doing this initial project with Seed Club. And so I both understood what Jess was doing, which was giving me a great amount of responsibility and trust and space to go build something and to have leadership and to have autonomy. And I could both like understand this, it, you know, it's, it's a party trick. It's like, okay, give somebody who is capable and passionate space and time and responsibility and visibility and, and let them go. And at the same time, you know, while completely understanding what was, you know, <laughs> what was happening, I dove into it and, and really appreciated it and enjoyed it. And so I think that there's a lot to that. Um, and, you know, I've now had the pleasure of doing that within Seed Club as well. And I think that, yeah, it's it's something that works really well within this DAO specifically is giving somebody sort of a window into these are the things that need to be done. These are some of the constraints of like, these are, you know, there's, <laughs> we're running an accelerator. So there's going to be X amount of projects that come in and this is the date when it's happening and those things are not up for debate, but you know, how we do this, I would love to hear your ideas and, you know, come in and really the sky's the limit. And so being able to, you know, turn those tables around and, and give others the opportunity to come in and showcase their skills the same way that I was able to do is a, such a, a privilege. Yeah. And what's interesting too, I think about some of this is I think that there are some communities that have learned how to be like, oh, what are your ideas? You know, share those things. But something that I think is interesting about, again, my limited experience with you and Jess on this, but also that I would imagine based on the success of Seed Club has is something that, that you've been able to consistently do, is coming in with ideas is one thing. But you guys had this magical way of supporting ideas and then saying, cool, do you want to work on that? And like really empowering someone to go beyond the I have a thought that may or may not be valid and into the I'm actually going to take action on this and do something about it. And like I think that is where a lot of that magic happens as well in communities more broadly because it's like everyone has ideas, but getting someone to execute on an idea that feels aligned – it's like a whole other level of, of magic in my eyes. 
Yeah, I think that's a big, that's a, that's a core value within Seed Club. And, you know, the, like you said, I think that actually it's quite easy to have ideas, but putting them into practice is the hard part and then doing it again and then (laughs) doing it again, especially when shit gets hard. And so that is so much a, a core piece of Seed Club. And I think that, you know, while, you know, a lot of our contributors don't come in having sort of like the, the flashiest Web3 presence, you know, present company included, I think that what we are is extremely effective operators and executors. And I think that what I, you know, my personal opinion is that, you know, the, the crypto tw- Twitter verse is a little off balance and that, you know, there's a ton that folks could learn from the various operators within Seed Club. But the fact of the matter is that, you know, we're busy doing the stuff. (laughs) And so while we're all on Twitter more than we should be, I think that the other piece is that I'm really just appreciative and grateful that we're focused on on doing the stuff. And I think, you know, Seed Club, massive shout out to, to Steph, Crypto Honey. They do a great job of making sure that our stories are told and that and little by little we're telling our stories a little bit more because we don't want to be flying under the radar. But I think that, you know, I'm glad and proud that a piece of our core ethos is doing the stuff and being really focused on, okay, th- that's a great idea, but can we actually execute on it? Yeah, that's so that touches on such an interesting part of the ecosystem, I think, which is there are practitioners and then people who talk about stuff. And those aren't mutually exclusive, but I think it, there's a very clear distinction in my eyes between projects that are more focused on talking about what they're doing and people who are more focused on that versus people who are focused on like really doing the work. And like you said, just are focused on that to the degree where it's like tweeting about it doesn't even make sense because you're actually doing the damn thing, which I really respect and love. And I think like from that perspective, um, like you said, you consume crypto Twitter, even if even if you're not always screaming about it all the time, like some people are. Um, I'm actually super curious when you look at the difference between narratives that you see on crypto Twitter and things that you've seen actually in practice, are there any very key things that you're like, mm, crypto Twitter really doesn't get this right. And in practice, it's actually this way. Hmm. Gosh, that's a good question. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not sure. I think that in some ways, the absolutes for me don't necessarily ring true. I think it's just, it's a bit early for us to have absolutes around, you know, community is this, or, you know, this is going to be the model. I definitely, I think, I mean, this is not exclusive to to crypto, but I'm definitely a person who sort of bristles at hustle porn generally. And so I appreciate conversations that acknowledge, you know, humans more generally as the multifaceted beings that we are. I think that fortunately we're seeing a little bit of that sort of air out in in the Twitterverse, or maybe I've just curated my feed. Yeah, so I don't know. It's it's a great question, but I think that I also, I mean, as as anyone who follows me, I don't participate as much as perhaps I I could or should, maybe even in the sort of crypto conversations or like you know DAO and community token conversations at that level. I will say that one of the things that I'm trying to do and with varied success in my sort of little sitting in the middle of a fire mode is writing. And so 
I started out writing these sort of like community updates or just updates sort of in a letter to the community on a weekly basis. I'm trying to get back into those. And so, yeah, while I am trying to, I think, expand my writing and maybe by saying this publicly gives me a little bit of like accountability (laughs) (laughs) and discipline, which big fan of public accountability. Yeah. I think that that's a piece where generally I think my main opinion is that there's a lot of voices that are building and doing the work that we're not hearing from. And I'm eager to hear more of those. And so I'm trying to kind of push myself to model that. Yeah, I really appreciate that perspective. And honestly, like I think that it is people like you who are focused on building that do the things that are going to like get us to the next level in the first place and supporting the people who are doing that. Like truly the work that Seed Club is doing is absolutely amazing. So I will link whatever, wherever it is that you publish these in the (laughs) podcast episode so that by the time this is published, people can check it, hold you accountable. Ooh, the pressure. If you I want love to be held it. accountable. <laughs> I love it. But I, I really do appreciate everything that Seed Club does, everything that you do in Seed Club. Like I'm very bullish on everything that comes out of Seed Club. So the the impact that y'all have on the ecosystem now and I think in the future is just insane. So I appreciate you focusing on operating, but of course always think that operators, you know, sharing more is a win. Before we wrap up, I have a segment at the end of the show, which is what is your favorite thing in your wallet? So it could be an NFT, an ERC-20, anything. But what is your favorite thing in your wallet? Which now that there's a downturn sounds like such an an old – like a question from like 2016. (laughs) I'm like, well, it's probably not going to be an asset. Never really has been, but – yeah, it's. I mean, it's. It's definitely. It's hard to pick favorites. I love that the Zorbs change color, and I. I loved that there was that sort of like collective moment right around New Year's. That was super fun. But I think one of my first NFTs was actually this little image of. This sounds so vain to say, which is is definitely not my vibe. But I. One of my first NFTs. The reason it's hilarious is because I feel like it's kind of this meta joke within crypto, which is that. there's an image that somebody sort of digitized of a photograph of like my sort of quote unquote headshot that I provided for a conference. And my name is a bit complex and the, my name was misspelled in two different ways in the NFT and the immutability of it is kind of what makes me laugh because (laughs) my name is like, you know, etched into the blockchain in a misspelled way. But, you know, at the same time, you know, that's my Zoom profile. And so, you know, when I go to like my children's schools, family council or whatever, and I turn off my screen, that's the, that's the image that comes up is this like very digital NFT. It's, you know, sort of that crypto punk like type vibe. And so I both really enjoy it. And then also it, you know, makes me laugh because yeah, the blockchain is permanent. <laughs> and so I you love the be idea of you at like a parent it. teacher conference too, as like the cool mom with like an incorrectly spelled name NFT. Yeah. You can't take yourself too seriously. And I mean, I think that crypto wallets are just generally a good example of that. What a beautiful way to end this podcast truly can't take yourself too seriously. Where can people find you and learn more about the wonderful things you're doing with Seed Club and also hold you accountable on your writing? Oh, 
Thank you for asking. Yeah, so I'm always pretty much online in the Discord, in the Seed Club Discord. And then on Twitter, I am my Bella Logica, which is an ancient Twitter handle from <laughs> when I ran a gardening company for a few months, many years ago. So that is my Twitter handle. And that's where you can find me mostly posting very niche random tweets. And yeah, please do hold me accountable. I'm going to go do some writing. Beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Nicole. It was so fun to chat. Chase, thank you so much. We're such big fans of you and it's been really fun getting to know you and watch everything that you've been building. I feel like we had an initial conversation when you were just sort of at some beginnings. And so following this pod and the conversations and the thinking that you've been bringing to our world has been great. So thank you so much and uh, thanks for having me. Oh, that really means a lot. And I so appreciate <laughs> you coming on. Yes, Jess was one of the first podcast guests. So oh, you've come quite right. a long, quite a long way. <laughs> Love it. It all comes back to Seed Club, though. It all yeah, circles I mean, back to Seed yeah, Club. We're the seed. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love that. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you. If you like what you heard, please make sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast. I always forget to do this for podcast I like, but it's actually super useful. Also, if anything resonated with you or if you want to continue the conversation, hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Chaser Chapman. I absolutely love talking about these things. Thanks again for listening.